turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. A mictum of David. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, the grave, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful that the entrance of your word gives light. And we pray that you would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. We're thankful that David wrote these words by the power of your spirit of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that by the power of your spirit, we would see him, our risen Lord Jesus Christ, high and lifted up and know him and follow him and offer our hearts to him promptly and sincerely in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. The resurrection of Christ. On that first day of the week, when Jesus rose from the dead, you remember that he walked with two of his followers on the road to Emmaus. And then he appeared to his disciples and he told essentially the same thing both to the travelers on the road and to his disciples. And he told them that his death and resurrection were written in the Old Testament hundreds of years before he came into the world. This is one of those passages Psalm 16 is an Old Testament prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we've been studying the life of King David working through Samuel for several months now. 
Now we'll come back to this later, but for now we should take note that on the day of Pentecost, 40 days after Jesus rose and about 10 days after he ascended to heaven, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, the apostle Peter preached that sermon proving that Jesus the Messiah fulfilled the Old Testament. And Peter quoted Psalm 16, the passage before us, and he said that here in Psalm 16, David saw and spoke of the resurrection of Christ. So now let's see what David saw. First, in this passage, we see his only good. His only good. Look at verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Now he turns to the Lord for refuge, for safety. He says he has no good apart from God. It's the idea, same idea stated in Psalm 73 and verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. And we think about David's life. On the run from a crazy king, Saul, who wants to kill him for no good reason. Even at one time, David decided to flee to the Philistines, the enemies. Perhaps David, in his despair, felt there was no refuge to be found anywhere except for God's enemies. But he found there was no true refuge, no true good, but in the Lord alone. Look at verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones is whom, in whom is all my delight. Now love for the Lord always comes with love for his people. Taking refuge in the Lord always involves taking refuge with his people. Again, thanks to the insanity of King Saul, David knew what it was like to be away from God's people. Not nearly as dire circumstances as David running for his life, but many of us have known in the last year being isolated from God's people. We're thankful for the internet. We can live stream information, messages, Bible studies. But you cannot live stream fellowship. Now he goes on to say that he will not go after another God. Look at verse 4. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Again, maybe David is thinking of his time with the Philistines. 
surrounded by idolaters. But he holds fast to the true God. To forsake the true God is to forsake all his good. And we're surrounded by idolatry. Not the statues of Dagon or the shrines to Baal, but false religion. I believe in our time, one's political persuasion is more fundamental to their identity than God himself. This is sheer idolatry. More silly than that, some people's true religious devotion lies not with their God or their church, but with their team or their college. Jesus says, speaking of money, you cannot serve God and mammon, the ancient idol. And now in our own time, we find the idle and false religion of self-expression. People think they can decide for themselves who and what they are, whether a man or a woman or, or something else altogether. But Scripture says God made them male and female. We're witnessing in our day a blatant attempt of man to play God. This is idolatry. And we're surrounded by it. David says, I will have none of this. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Jehovah is my God alone. His only good. Secondly, in this passage, we see his contentment. Look at verse 5. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Whatever else happens, the Lord is his portion and his inheritance, and thus he is content with his circumstances. Whatever else, he has the Lord. Look at verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. The book of Hebrews says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have because he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have the Lord. He will never leave you. He is enough. Be content with what you have because you have the Lord. 
Psalm 16 says, The Lord is my right hand. He is always with me. I have enough because I have the Lord. I may have told you before that I have a, a dear friend. We grew up in the 1960s in a small village, mill village in the western part of this state. A small town, everybody there worked in the mill. That was all he knew. And then when it was time to go to high school, they bust him and the other young people from the mill town to the county seat. And after his first day from school, he came home. He told his mama, said, I'm not going back to school. I have school anymore in that town. Mama said, yes, you are, son. He said, no, I'm not. She said, what's wrong? He said, because I found out today for the first time in my life that we're poor. He said, I never knew I was poor until I met the kids from the big town. They don't like us. They look down on us. They don't want us at their school, and I'm not going back. And his mama sat him down and said, son, I want to ask you a question. He said, do you believe in Jesus Christ? And he said, yes, ma'am, I do. She said, son, if you have Jesus Christ in your soul, you are not poor. You never will be. And you'll not let anyone in that big town tell you that you are. I have the Lord. David says he is always at my right hand. Because I have God, I have a beautiful inheritance. And I'm content with him. So we see his only good. We see his contentment. And thirdly and finally in his passage, we see his confidence. His confidence. Look at verse 9. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, this statement that you will not leave 
me abandon my soul to Sheol, it could be mistaken simply as David's hope that, that one day he himself might rise again. But notice verse 10. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol against the grave. You won't leave me in a grave. But notice that last part. Or let your Holy One see corruption. No corruption. No decay. Now if you got your Bible, turn with me one time to Acts 2.22. Acts chapter 2. You get in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you be in Acts. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is Apostle Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. I said we'd get back to it. Well, here we are. Acts 2, 22, the Apostle Peter says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now notice particularly Acts 2.25 and following. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades or to the grave, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. You see what Peter says? David is rotting in his tomb to this day. He will rise one day. He will rise at the last day. But for now, David's rotting in the grave. This can't be talking about David. You see, Jesus Christ not only rose from the grave, but during that time between Friday evening and Sunday morning, three days as the Jews reckoned the time, that Jesus lay in the grave, not one cell of Jesus' body saw any decomposition. 
You remember when they opened the tomb of Lazarus, he'd been in the grave four days. And when Jesus gave the order to roll away the stone, his sister Martha said to Jesus, he's been in the grave four days, his body stinks. Now Jesus, when he rose, he he passed through the stone. The angel came and opened the tomb later to see that Jesus was already out. But had the angel rolled the stone away first, there would have been no stink, no rot in the grave of Jesus. Now, how did David see that this would happen? Notice again, if you're in Acts 2, verse 30, being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. And you remember the covenant God made with David that one of his descendants would reign on the throne forever. Well, think about this. If David is going to have a descendant who will reign forever on the throne, he'll have to be raised from the dead. Queen Elizabeth II has been queen well over 60 years now, but her reign's not going to be eternal. We know that. But even more than being raised, he will have to be transformed into something beyond mortal human flesh as we know it. A human can't last forever in the state that we know humans to be. This is why some people die of old age. Now we have to find, pinpoint the exact reason why everybody dies. So back in my day, they used to say died of old age. It'll happen to all of us if we live long enough. But listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Just listen to this. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. David understood that if one of his descendants would reign forever and not die of old age, he would have to be changed. So David foresaw 
and spoke of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now let's go back over this psalm for a moment. David is speaking in Psalm 16. He's speaking out of his own life, his own experience as the Holy Spirit is carrying him along and inspiring him. But he's speaking about Jesus. Think about it. David sought refuge in the Lord, his only good. David loved his people. But Jesus did it better. David shunned idolatry. But Jesus did it better. David generally had a contented spirit, but we'll see when we get back into it next week. As you all know, David wasn't always content about his love life. Wanted another man's wife. But Jesus never coveted, never lusted, never experienced any discontentment in any circumstances. David will rise, but for now he's riding in the grave. Jesus saw no decay. But scripture says that Jesus in his resurrection is the first fruits. In other words, what happened to him will finally happen to all who trust him. He was raised. We shall be raised. But all along the way, what happened to him as the first fruits? also happens to us. Last word of Psalm 16 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. There is a path that ends in resurrection. There is a path of life. The same path that Jesus walked. The path of taking refuge in God alone. The path of shunning idolatry. David is not perfect. But he's on the path. The path of trusting God alone to raise him from the dead. God gave his only begotten son for his people to die for his people to rise for his people that his people might rise in the last day. There is one path of life. Are you on that path? 
John Payton in the 1850s, a young, young man, John Payton in Scotland, followed that path. That path carries all of us in different places. But this path was to carry John Payton into the mission field to what was then known as the New Hebrides Islands, now known as Vanuatu. And an old man in his church tried to talk John Payton out of following that path. And he said to him, you don't want to go to the New Hebrides. Those are cannibal islands, which they were. And he said, cannibals, you will be eaten by the cannibals. And young John Payton responded, sir, you are advanced in years now. And your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave and there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. And in the great day, my body will arise as fair as yours in the likeness of our risen Redeemer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.